Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Homeward Bound edition. As the Bengals earn the right to open the playoffs in the jungle by beating Baltimore 27 to 16, they'll face the Ravens again next weekend. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, one-on-one locker room interviews, and analysis from my broadcast partner Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's fun fact segment, you'll get to know Bobby Jean Hill Jr. You know him as B.J. Hill. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the generosity of Bengals fan Phil Amrine. Every season, each NFL team picks a fan of the year based on their commitment to the franchise and nomination letters from friends and family. The Bengals winner this year is Phil Amrine, who served as the ruler of the jungle on Sunday. He's been a season ticket member for roughly 30 years and has attended more than 100 road games. The prize for the fan of the year is two tickets to the Super Bowl plus airfare and lodging. Well, here's the interesting twist with Phil. He and his wife, Shelly, have gone to the Super Bowl for the last 21 years. Sometimes they get game tickets. Other times, they just enjoy the Super Bowl-related activities in the host city. Well, this year, they had already made their Super Bowl plans, so they are raffling off their Fan of the Year Super Bowl trip for charity. All proceeds go to a variety of causes, including the Ken Anderson Alliance, the Sam Hubbard Foundation, and the Anthony Munoz Foundation. The drawing is Monday at 2 in the afternoon, so depending on when you listen to this podcast, you might still have time to purchase a ticket. For details, go to Phil Amrine's Facebook page. His last name is spelled A-M-R-E-I-N. Now, let's get to the highlights of Sunday's win over Baltimore. It'll be a 34-yard attempt for Evan McPherson. Cal Adamitis, high school and college teammate of DeMar Hamlin, will snap it back. Chrisman puts the ball down. Evan McPherson's kick on its way and good. And the Bengals have scored first here at Paycor Stadium. It's a play-action fake. Brown looking, throws before getting hit. Intercepted by Jesse Bates. He has it at the 50, looking to run it back. Now he is grabbed, and he'll be tackled at the 47-yard line of Baltimore. B.J. Hill put the hit. On the quarterback, Anthony Brown, who floated it right to Jesse Bates. He did. He hit him and jackknifed him. Here comes a blitz. Burrow somehow gets away. Throws over the middle. Caught at the 30 by Tyler Boyd. And he gets tackled at the 26-yard line by Marcus Williams. Joe Burrow got out of a straitjacket there. Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton came on the blitz. And he missed him. First and goal inside the one. Zach Taylor was running down the sideline to call a timeout. The Bengals went ahead and ran a play. And Joe Mixon runs it in from inside the one. Zach Taylor didn't run fast enough to get the timeout. 
and it works out just fine for Cincinnati. Rookie quarterback Anthony Brown, one for three with an interception so far today. This pass intercepted <laughs> off a ricochet. It's picked off by Mike Hilton. Man. And that was not Anthony Brown's fault. It was a good throw. The intended receiver allowed it to glance right off his arms into the hands of Mike Hilton. And the Bengals will take over at the 32 of Baltimore. Joe catches the shotgun snap. He throws it deep down the left sideline. Oh, a baby. leaping catch yeah. in the end zone. <laughs> Jamar Chase hauls it in. And the Bengals have scored again. Chase beating Worley. And with that throw, Joe Burrow has set the new single-season record for touchdown passes in a season, breaking the mark that he set last year. It's his 35th of the year. And what a, a, a performance of strength at the apex of the catch by Jamar Chase. Second and goal from the five. Brown hands it off. It's a run to the left. And Drake will take it into the end zone for a Baltimore touchdown. Empty backfield. Whoa. Brown's going to throw from the Finish. end zone. Oh. Hit and brought down. Throw is the ball. The ball touchdown. comes out. Recovered touchdown. for a Woo. touchdown. <laughs> Trey Hendrickson stripped it away from Anthony Brown and it's recovered in the end zone for a Cincinnati touchdown. Third down and eight. The Ravens at their own 13. Brown back to throw. Here comes a blitz. Nice. And he will be sacked. Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson. Yes. With Mike Hilton coming, they bring down Anthony Brown at the nine-yard line. Ten seconds to go. The Bengals backing up into a prevent defense. Brown back to pass. He throws. A leaping catch made. Likely will be tackled. And that will end the game. The Cincinnati Bengals are not only AFC North champions... But the NFL can keep the change. Yeah. There will be no coin flip required as the Bengals will open the playoffs in the jungle. And rightfully and deservedly so. The final score was 27 to 16, and normally an 11-point win over a division rival is very satisfying. However, there were causes for concern. First and foremost, Alex Kappa injured his left ankle late in the third quarter and left the field on a cart. More on that later with Dave Lapham. Secondly, after opening the game with two touchdowns and a field goal on their first three possessions, the Bengals had 10 more drives and only added one more field goal on offense. There were seven punts, a lost fumble, and they got stopped on fourth and one. Still, the Bengals broke out celebratory cigars in the locker room after the game, and I caught up with one of the game ball recipients who is headed to the playoffs for the fourth time in his six NFL seasons. The air is thick with cigar smoke inside the Bengals locker room, and we're with Mike Hilton. Congratulations, champions of the North for the second year in a row. You will open the playoffs at home against Baltimore. How's that sound? Oh, man, it's big. You know, number one, just getting to the playoffs, you know, giving ourselves a chance. And us winning the division, you know, obviously getting a home playoff game is big. You know, having a division opponent coming to it with a lot on the line is going to be big. So we, we got to get ready. We know it's going to be another tough game, but we know it's at stake and we'll, we'll be prepared. 
The offense scored on the first three possessions. It was 17-0. Brandon Allen started warming up on the sideline. I think a lot of us thought, all right, the route is on. It didn't play out that way. How are you guys feeling about how the rest of the game went? Oh, we're all right. Um, you know, e even if they didn't, they had people down, you know, it's a division game. They know us and we know them, so it's not going to be easy. We knew they weren't just going to lay down, but we, we found a way to uh, just, just do what we do best and go get the win, and now we're here celebrating, getting ready for a playoff game. Takeaways were a big part of it, I think four, if, if I'm not mistaken, and you had an interception. Tell me about that play. Uh, it was third down. Um, he, he ran a, dry, a, a drag route, so he went right down the line. Quarterback kind of threw it behind him, and it tipped up, and I happened to be in the right spot. So I, I, I love how it worked out. Now, now we just got to keep carrying these turnovers uh, to the next couple weeks, hopefully. It was obviously a weird week. We're all thrilled that Tamar Hamlin is doing well. But what was it like to go back out there and play today? Uh, it, it was definitely a little tough at first, but once we just really gathered in this locker room before we came out, we were just like, do what we do, play our game, you know, don't don't play slow because of what happened. Just be yourself and enjoy the moment and let, play every down like it's your last. 12 wins, ties a franchise record. An eight-game winning streak, ties a franchise record. Do you feel like you're going into the postseason in a good place? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, we're, we're rolling right now, you know, we're, we're a hot team. But, you know, none of that means that we can't finish the job, and that, that's getting to the Super Bowl. And this weekend is our first step, so guys got to reset and just get ready uh, for, for a tough opponent. Are you a cigar guy? I am. I really am. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this one today. Congratulations. Thank you. That's Mike Hilton. As Mike noted in that interview, Baltimore had people down. Lamar Jackson missed his fifth straight game with a knee injury, and second-string quarterback Tyler Huntley sat out with a shoulder injury. Rookie Anthony Brown made his first career start and finished with a passer rating of 46.2. The Ravens also rested several key players, including running back J.K. Dobbins, tight end Mark Andrews, cornerback Marcus Peters, and offensive lineman Kevin Zeitler. With the possibility of earning the number two playoff seed, the Bengals played their regulars only to see Alex Kappa go down. There's no word yet on the severity of his injury, but it obviously did not look good. Max Sharping, who was claimed off waivers just before the start of the season, took over at right guard. He started 33 games in the past for Houston. Here are Ted Karras and Joe Burrow on the injury to Alex Kappa. Well, I've gotten a lot of credit this year. And I just want to make it clear that Alex Kappa is the singular force that drives this O-line. He's like having another center on the field. He's my number one confidant, and he's extremely talented. And that my heart broke when that happened. I don't know the details. Um, I have all the confidence in the world in Max, if that's what it has to do going forward. But I just want to make it clear how much uh, Alex means to this team, means to this offensive line and to this offense. He's been a huge contributor and a big factor of our success this season. He's really been playing unbelievable all year. You know, Cap is, one, a guy you love to be around, great locker room guy. Two, unbelievable player, smart, physical, tough, everything you could ask for in, a, in an interior guy. And you know, I don't, don't know the severity of the injury, but you know, I have a lot of confidence in the guys behind him. Max has played a lot of football, and you know he knows his stuff. So uh, he's going to have to step up. But we got all the faith in the world in him. The Bengals lost Lael Collins with a knee injury two weeks ago against the Patriots. So after having the same five starters on the offensive line for the first 15 games, it looks like they'll head into the postseason 
with Sharping and Hakeem Adeniji starting on the right side. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Joe Burrow told reporters after the game that he didn't play well and miss throws that he usually makes. He was 25 for 42, that's 60%, for 215 yards, one touchdown, no picks, and a passer rating of 81. The Ravens stuffed the Bengals' running game, holding Joe Mixon to 27 yards on 11 carries and holding the Bengals as a team to 55 yards on the ground. Fortunately for Cincinnati, the defense was outstanding, coming up with two interceptions and two fumble recoveries. The D allowed one touchdown, but also scored one. And I talked to the guy who came away with Cincinnati's first defensive touchdown of the year. I feel like I am now smoking a cigar inside the <laughs> locker room. I'm standing next to Joseph Osai after he just got a nice light from a teammate. You scored a touchdown. The Bengals won their 12th game of the year. Describe how you're feeling right now. Feeling great. You know, last year I, I didn't get to experience these guys. Just feeling with these guys firsthand, but I'm just happy I do. I'm very thankful. All glory to God. I won't be here without them. So Trey Hendrickson strips the ball away from Anthony yes, Brown. We saw how long your reach is as you reeled that ball in. Yes, sir. I just I felt the ball. I saw him strip it, and I felt the ball hit hit my feet. And I was just trying to scramble to find it because without trying to alert the other guy that the ball was on the ground too. So uh, it was uh it was a bit shaky, but I, I'm just glad I, I was able to get it. I was able to reel it in. When did you score your last touchdown? High school. My 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 junior year in high school. Nice. Um, it was a fumble recovery, and I and I ran it in for a touchdown. We're visiting with Joseph Osai. So with this win, you'll be back here next week yes, against Baltimore in a rematch. How are you guys feeling about that? Um, those guys. That, that's a tough team. All credit to them. All credit to their coaches. Um, they were down early, and they stuck in there and they fought. So I'm looking forward to it, man. It, it feels a lot better when you win, when you work hard like that for it. So if it's going to be a dog fight, we're prepared for it. We're um, We've been there before, and we know how to win. It was 17-0, as you alluded to. Did the way the game ended with them at least sticking in it take anything away from the victory today? No, sir. A win is a win. And, and this league, they're a great team, too. What's their record? 10 and 10 and 7. 10 and 7. They're a great team, too. It's hard to win in this league, especially in the AFC North. And um, every win, you got to be thankful for it, and you got to be appreciative for it, no matter how it comes. Ugly, beautiful, you got to be happy of the win. And um, we're back to the drawing board, and we'll see him again. 12 wins ties a franchise record. An eight-game winning streak ties a franchise record. How do you feel about the way you guys are going into postseason play? Let's make it 13. Love the sound of that. Let's break it. We're tied right now. Let's break it. So with the events of the last week, everybody felt a lot better as the week went along as we got good news about DeMar Hamlin's recovery. But what was it like for you to take the field today? Um... You know, when it happened, it was it dawned on us how violent this game truly is. You have that, you know, in the back of your mind that this is a violent sport. But seeing that truly manifested, and it just made me more thankful. I don't know about anybody else, but me personally, it made me more thankful, more appreciative that at any point in time, something like that could happen to me, but it hasn't. So I thank God for that, and I respect the game a lot more. And every chance I get, 
I gotta go out there and give it all I have because you never know when, which one is your last. You know, you understand what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta play hard for Demar and his family because he got the game taken away from him. Now we don't know yet if he'll get to play again, but just to get the game taken away from you like that, you just gotta be respectful of the game and appreciative of every chance you get, every opportunity you get. I've interrupted your celebration long enough. Congratulations. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you, boss. Thank you. That's Joseph Osai. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. This is Zach Taylor's fourth year as the Bengals head coach, and he has upped his win total every season. From two in year one, to four in year two, to ten in year three, to twelve this season. Zach spent four minutes with Dave Lapham after the game. It's a happy locker room. There's a lot of cigar smoke in there. It is. There's a lot of work that goes into this, you know, and, and I know we've got bigger first to fry as we get into the playoffs, but uh, to finish off with eight straight wins in the back half of the season, to win the first time in franchise history, back-to-back divisional games, most wins in franchise history with 12, tied for that. Um, these guys should take a lot of pride in what they accomplished here today. And this was a typical AFC North football game. It's ugly. I haven't seen a pretty one yet. You just got to find a way to be on top, and that's what our guys did. Three and three in the division, and you win the last three to do it. Nine and one against everybody else. That just proves how tough this division is. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough division. We're a tough team. And this team just keeps finding ways to win. Um, at this point, we don't care how pretty it's going to be. We just got to be the ones to win on top. Turnovers are always a, a big factor. And, um, <clears throat> this Baltimore Raven football team only had 17 giveaways coming into this football game, like second fewest in the league. You got them for four today, two interceptions, two fumbles, plus two fourth down stops, which in my mind, possession doesn't end in a kick. It's a takeaway. I mean, six of them, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, they gave the offense a great field position. Uh, scored seven. You know, that was our first defensive touchdown of the season, which was good to have. We needed that in this game. And so, again, they, they did a great job winning the field position battle for us and, and cre- creating a lot of takeaways. That was good. So w- what is it that you told your football team after this game? I mean, uh, you, you know, obviously they're celebrating like they should. But you, you got work. You have uh, unfinished business, I guess, work still to be done. What did you tell them? Congratulated them. Again, how hard this is to do. And this is the cherry on top of the regular season. This is this is the best we could have done after the halfway point was win all eight of them, and and find a way to come out on top of, a t- of the toughest division in all football. And so now you you uh, after today we put this one behind us. We don't know if it'll be a six day week or seven day week coming at us, uh, but our guys will be ready to go. Whatever the worst case scenario is for the Bengals, that's what the league will do. It seems like because I mean, how big of a motivating factor was that? coin toss bull crap that went on. I think our guys do a great job handling it the right way. They know that winning this game solved a lot of our problems. Um, so that's what, they, that's what they focused on doing, and that's what they got done. Coach, I mean, as we talked about earlier, I thought that the, the fans showed up today. I thought that it was a good moment where get back to normalcy as best you can. The fans celebrate the players. The, the players celebrate the fans. I mean, it was like a almost like a love fest out there, you know? I mean, after what took place on Monday night, did you feel that? That's why Cincinnati's so special. That's why we all want to be here, um, because we love our fans. We love this organization. Uh, the support is felt every single week. Um, I know that the fans love this team and what we're all about, and it's really cool to see. You've won eight in a row to end the season. Um, the, the, this football team can get it done when they needed to get it done, where they need to get it done, can't they? 
Yeah, it doesn't matter at this point where we play. We, we prefer to play at home. Can't wait to play this, this home playoff game. Atmosphere that we had last year against the Raiders was second to none. I expect none, nothing less for this go-around, even more. We got the Baltimore Ravens coming in here. What more could you ask for to have a chance in their season and, and continue ours? And so uh, I know that the fans are going to be turned out for this weekend. And finally, Coach, I appreciate you carving this time after the game. Last year, going through what you went through, three-game run in the playoffs, going to the Super Bowl, how much of a carryover is there from that when you start preparing for this uh, particular uh, uh, playoff run? Or is it like, forget all about that, this is a totally different equation? I think there's an understanding of, of what's in front of us, how hard it's going to be. Uh, the opponents that are left are all great football teams, and each week brings its own challenges. They're all going to be tough. These guys are mentally ready for it. Uh, they're physically ready for it. They're battle-tested. They know what's in front of them, and I'm excited to see them operate. Congratulations, Coach. 12-4, and four, AFC North champion, number three seed, playoffs. Here we come. Awesome. Thank you. So here's how the playoff picture looks in the AFC. The Chiefs are the number one seed and get a first-round bye. Buffalo is the two seed and opens at home against Miami. The Bengals are the three seed and host Baltimore. The Jaguars are the fourth seed and host the Chargers. The Steelers just missed the playoffs after beating Cleveland 28-14. Still, after a 2-6 start, Pittsburgh wound up 9-8, extending Mike Tomlin's streak to 16 straight 500 or better seasons as the Steelers' head coach. Now, time for the Radio Guys Recap. Lap, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure what I was going to uh, get when we walked into the locker room after the game. I didn't know if it would be celebratory. I didn't know if they'd feel a little disappointed because of the way the game ended. Clearly, the mood was celebratory. I'm going to stink like cigars for the next several days. Uh, the Bengals, you know, looked at the season as a whole right. and celebrated the success it's been. 12-4 and four, ties a franchise record for most wins in a season. They finish with an eight-game winning streak. They head into the postseason with a home game and momentum. You're exactly right. And, um, you know, Zach Taylor, I think, said it best. You know, an NFL season is hard. When you go 12-4 and four and you win your division, they should be proud. They should be celebratory. Um, but a, a grizzled veteran like Ted Carr said, you know what? I'm not real excited about how we played. I'm glad we won the football game. But, you know, basically, and I'm, I'm, I'm translating here. This is not what he said, but... He wasn't about to go do cartwheels over it, you know. I mean, he, he was—he realized that uh, it's going to be a different Baltimore team they face next week, and he knows that they have to play better than they did in this football game, particularly in the second half. I mean, the second half was, oh, man, root canal surgery. And, <clears throat> you know, they, they've had three games in a row now where they've played the entire game and had one half of good performance and another half of not, um, be it one phase or the other offense or defense and uh so the, the I, I i guess the good news is you get a win you go 12 and 4 ties a franchise record win a division all that good stuff have home field advantage in the playoffs but you know you still have a lot of work to do so it's not like let's just roll our hats out there and we know we can beat them they know they have to play much better than they played today to beat the baltimore raven team that's showing up next week Alex Kappa departed on a cart with a left uh, ankle injury in the locker room after the game. He was there with his teammates celebrating, but he was on one of those little scooters uh, keeping the, the left ankle off the ground. That certainly doesn't bode well for the round, uh, first round of the playoffs. No, it doesn't. And, and the way he was 
you know, his fellow offensive linemen were, you know, shaking his hand and saying some of the things they were saying to him, it was almost, almost, I don't want to speculate, but they knew the severity of it. Let's put it that way. They have an idea that he's definitely not playing next week. I think they know that for sure. And, um, other than that, they'll be waiting for final news. I mean, I'm sure there's other MRIs, X-rays, all kinds of pictures that they'll be taking. For all we know, they may not need to take any more. They may already know. And um, I will give Alex Kappa credit. He was trying to um, keep the stiff upper lip as best he could. You know, he was smiling. He was very, uh, you know, effusive in the praise of his teammates. And, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, poor me, poor me. I heard him say a couple times, that's football. That's football, guys. So, in my mind, I've been involved in some of that kind of situation. In my mind, that means, you know, I have no control over this, and it doesn't look like it's very good. I mean, that would be awful if he's out for the postseason because he's got a Super Bowl ring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he got hurt in the first playoff game and wasn't able to play in the Super Bowl. One of the reasons why he's with this team is that he saw that it was a contender, and he wants to get back and play this time. Yeah, and and you look at it from an offensive line standpoint, first 14 games of the season, plus, you know, you have your whole line intact. You lose your right tackle, Collins. Then you have a game that doesn't count, and then you lose your right guard. I mean, so after going the entire season with the offensive line taking every snap together up until the very end of it here, the final two games where they played games, they lose their starting right side that they got in free agency who were playing well for them, Collins and Kappa, the C brothers. I mean, that's a blow if indeed that's the fact. Last year, the Bengals destroyed the Ravens offensively. Now, in the second of those two games, Baltimore was ravaged by injuries. The Bengals were playing the the B squad. But the first time around, the Ravens were largely healthy. In the two meetings this year, Baltimore's defense gave Cincinnati a lot of trouble. Joe Burrow threw for two of his four lowest passing yardage games this year in those two games against Baltimore. I think it's it's a philosophy of defense. McDonald is a guy that... He's not going to let teams get over the top. And they tried a few times. Joe Burrow tried to get over the top multiple times with, uh, with various receivers, not just one receiver, multiple receivers. And there was always somebody there. There was nobody running wide open. There was one where maybe the ball was underthrown a little bit, put a little bit too much air under it. But their combination of, of disguising pressures, they'll, they'll put five, six, seven guys in the box, and they'll only rush three or four. You know, and you don't know which ones are coming, and you don't know how they're coming with twists and everything else. And they got consistent pressure with that. And But then at the snap of the football, they're dropping multiple people back, and they're playing very deep umbrella coverage, and then people are taking underneath stuff, running under at the, after the snap of the football. They have a good scheme. They really do. And McDonald, I think he's grown to the job. I think he's gotten more confident as the season's gone on. I think his players are more confident in him. He's more confident in them. They're playing much better football than they were in the beginning of the season. I'm impressed with what they've done defensively, and they are not going to be an easy football team to deal with next week in the playoffs, I can tell you that. 
I don't want to tax your voice much longer, but do you think the Ravens head back to Baltimore feeling good about today, even though they lost by double digits? I think they feel like they learned some things. I think they feel like we've got some intel. We've got things that we know that we can expand upon, things we know we can take to, you know, the second level of what we showed. You know, there's always cat and mouse going on, and I've been there. When you play a team at the end of the regular season, it's the first one you face in the playoffs. I mean, you drive yourself nuts thinking, are they going to abandon everything? No. They're going to be who they are. They have an identity. They're going to do things they know they do well. But there are always tweaks, you know, taking a package to the second and third level. And what is that second and third level? And that uncertainty is what drives you crazy as you try to prepare and anticipate what they might be doing. So, I mean, what you have to do is just study study tape, you know, of them all year, the progression of what they've done through the end of the season, including your football game, and just, you know, Frank Pollock, establish rules as best you can to recognize and communicate what they're doing and keep the rules as few and as simple as you possibly can. Fortunately, you're not on the road dealing with that crowd noise in Baltimore and having to deal with all that crap. So having the home field advantage, I think, is a big plus in that regard, you know. And that's where it's going to start. You know, particularly when you you, you got guys, you know, that don't have any just minimal snaps. The only snaps they have together at right guard and right tackle is what took place today against the Ravens, you know. So, man, it's going to be a challenge for Frank Pollock. And so all year long it's been next man up, not just next man up, next man step up. Next man's got to step up big time in this one. I think if I'm the Ravens, I'm thinking we started our third-string quarterback in his first NFL start. We rested our best running back. We rested one of the best tight ends in the NFL, and we made him sweat. And if not for short fields and a defensive touchdown, their offense didn't do that much against us. I, I think that boosts Baltimore's confidence heading into the playoff rematch. I mean, yeah, when you look at it in the second half, three and out, Two plays, fumble. Eight plays, settle for a field goal. Three and out. Three and out. Four downs, lose the football. Three and out. Three of the last four possessions are three and outs. You have a four-down stop. I mean, they shut them down. They shut them down um, defensively. It is going to be It is going to be a challenge. I mean, I think you won the football game. I don't, I don't think those guys were in there celebrating the win against the Ravens, like you said before. I think they were celebrating the entirety of the season, particularly after what happened Monday night. I think they're just saying, man, after we dealt with that, you know, we still won it. We still finished it. We did what we needed to do. We don't have to have a coin flip to decide where we're playing. We have a pretty good idea who we're playing and where we're playing them. We just don't know when. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was – it was particularly when I was looking at the offensive linemen and talking to those guys. I mean, I've been there. I know what that's, it, you know, it's like you're, you're content about a lot of things, but you know you may have lost a comrade, a comrade in arms. And that's never good, never a good feeling. So they were having an emotional tug of war. I could see it. I could feel it. I've been there. I know what it's like. It sucks. 
The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Finally, it's time for this week's Fun Facts interview, where we get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with defensive tackle B.J. Hill. If the internet is accurate, your full name is Bobby Gene Hill Jr. Have you always been called B.J.? Oh, yeah. Um, since I was born, I was called B.J. Um, Bobby, um, my dad's that's his name. Uh, I'll just go by B.J. So how about on the first day of school when they're reading off names? Did the teacher used to say Bobby Hill and, and your, your schoolmates chuckle? <laughs> they did, even still to this day when people always do it. Like, oh, your name is Bobby? But, <laughs> yeah, my name is Bobby, but yes, yeah, that's, that's where I go by. I go by BJ. Um, yeah. We're doing fun facts with BJ Hill. Your mom was asked once to describe you when you were little, and she interrupted the reporter and said he was never little. <laughs> did you always tower over the other kids? I did. I was always the, the big guy um, in the room uh, playing sports, too. I always stood out, you know. You, I was always I was always big. Everybody was just way way smaller than me. Did you like it? I, I loved it. You know, it always came in handy playing sports. You know, <laughs> just having a recess and stuff like that. Yeah, I loved it. You are from Oakboro, North Carolina, a town of about two thousand people, forty five minutes or so from Charlotte. Describe Oakboro. Um, it's a, a small town, um, hardworking people who love each other. Um, one red light. I think they might put two. And just a couple uh, years ago, but it's, it's just a great town that I love. They support me so much. Um, I love going back. I love going back to elementary school there that I went to. I love going back to my high school that I went there. It's just a, a great town that you you would love to live in. Oakboro is very proud of you. I believe Super Bowl Sunday was renamed BJ Hill Day. Will you always go back? Always. That's, that's my hometown for sure. It always got a special place in my heart. Um, yeah, I'll, I will always go back and give back uh, to my community there. You attended West Stanley High School, where you scored 1,000 points in basketball. Mm-hmm. You played baseball. You were a member of the track and field team. You obviously excelled in football. When and why did football become the sport you emphasized? Like Basketball was my first sport. And now I know like my probably my sophomore, the junior year, I stopped growing. So I'm like... All right. Um, I don't think basketball is going to be uh, be, uh, be for me. So I was like, you know what? I think football. <laughs> I think football is uh, the sport. When it came time to pick a college, you chose NC State, about two hours away from home. Why mm-hmm. NC State? Um, just felt right. Um, the, the coaches there, um, the, the recruiting class there. We was uh, recruiting. It was, it was just perfect, perfect timing, perfect. A great group of guys. Um, I did grow up with the. You know, the light blue school fan. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say the name, but um, it just felt right. Uh, I just fell in love with the coaches there and the, and the culture, and it just felt like more like home. Um, NC State's like more like a country type of vibe, and that's what I grew up on. One of your college roommates was one of your current teammates, mm-hmm. Jermaine Pratt. Were you roommates by choice, and why did you hit it off? Um, they just put us in the room, to be honest. Uh, we graduated high school early. And um, that January, they uh, just threw us in the room, four of us. Um, it just popped off, me and him. So it was four four roommates. Me and him was on one side, and the, it was the other two on the other side of the apartment. So it just it's all worked out, man. It, it was perfect. I'm glad to be here with him. It's just, it's just been great. 
So after four great years at NC State, you were drafted in the third round of the 2018 draft by the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Describe your draft experience. Um, it was awesome. Um, like like I said, Oakborough was behind me. It was it was one of the, the biggest days of my life for sure. Um, you know, just a great opportunity to go to a big city to um, show my talent. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it was really a great experience. Emotional? No, I, I didn't get really emotional, but you know, I was you know very excited. Um, like my family was very excited. They just knew how much work I put in. I mean, I wasn't surprised because I knew how much work I put in to get uh, to get there. So as we mentioned, you're off to the big city, New York City. Quite a change from 2,000 people in Oakboro. What was that like for you? It was definitely different. You see, this is way more. This is way faster. Um, a lot of people, a lot of traffic, a big city. I'm like, what is going on? But I just fell in love with. It. I loved. I loved uh, New York. It was. It was great. Uh, the, the food there was amazing. Just going to city, take the the train in, or take the. Um, the waterway, the, the 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 boat over. It was the ferry. It was it was great. The Giants have had some of the best pass rushers in history: Lawrence Taylor, Michael Strahan, and others. The team record for single game sacks by a rookie is held by you. You had three against the Chicago Bears. What stands out about that game? I was on fire that game. It <laughs> <laughs> was one of my, probably one of my best games. Um, uh, I don't even say what my best. It was, it was a good game. Uh, I was just on fire. Everything was clicking. Um, I did hold the, the rookie record for the season, but somebody broke it. I think two years ago. He's he's actually really a really good pass rusher. But yeah, it, it was great. Like I said, everything was clicking on on, on that on the day. What's the opposing offensive lineman look like when you are torching him that badly? <laughs> this is a long day for him, man. It's <laughs> when you get three sacks in, in one day. A lot of people haven't done it. And I was fortunate to be one of those guys that, that done it. It was, it was amazing. So you spent three years with the Giants. You went through training camp before year four. And then just before the start of the season, you got traded to the Bengals in August of last year. It's obviously worked out great for you and for the team, but that's a whirlwind situation. Was it difficult? Um, at first it was because <clears throat> you're just leaving a place which, that you knew for the last three years. You grew a, a bond with these guys. Um, your D-line, um, it was just... It that, that, that kind of sucked just knowing that you were leaving, especially you know, when I got told I didn't know where I was going at first. And then when I found out where I was going, I was like, you know what? Boo's here. He's a D.C. He he seen me play before. Jermaine, I called him. He's like, man, you're not coming here. You're not getting traded. I was like, all right, you'll see the next day. <laughs> then I was like, on the flight the next day, I came here. He met me here. It was like it was, everything just worked out perfect, man. Everything lined up. How it's supposed to be. I'm just grateful to, to be here, man. They gave me a chance to show my talent, and yeah. You had a great season. You earned a contract extension, and in the AFC Championship game, you made one of the biggest defensive plays in franchise history. Down by eight in the third quarter, you intercept Patrick Mahomes to set up the game-tying touchdown. Were you surprised when you jumped up and the ball smacks you right in the hands for that pick? I knew the ball was coming out fast at play, so I knew I had to get my hands up, just get my, just get a tip. Um, if I wanted to call it or tip, the trade had been right behind me to pick it off. Uh, so it was a pretty cool play to make, uh, especially in that, that time where we needed a turnover to uh, get, get us started. And um, it was just a great play, great, great timing right there. After that play and after some of your other big plays, you do the rock the baby celebration. Mm-hmm. Is there personal meaning behind that? I'm a uh, Russell Westbrook fan. Um, I just like the way he plays basketball, the way he dominates, the way he 
you know, just go about the way he's stuff, and I see him do it, and when he does it, like, it just lights a fire in me. I was like, oh, I, I like that. So I, I low-key stole it from him. Not, not even low-key, high-key, I stole it from him. And, um, yeah, it's, I just I just love what he does on the court. So while we're on the subject of celebrations, earlier this year you tried to do the equivalent of a Lambeau leap at Paycor Stadium. I guess it's a, a jungle jump when it's in Cincinnati. It did not go particularly well. Is that harder than it looks? It, it is. I'm a, you know what? <laughs> when we get a turnover this week, I'm going to try it again, see – See if I can make it, but it is it is very high. Um, I was shocked how high it was. I'm like, oh, I can make it. And I'm like, ah, I don't think I'll be able to get up there. <laughs> so what will be your technique if you try again? Will you do more of a kind of a pull-up move? I'm going to tell somebody to push me up there, get me up there, <laughs> help me out, grab me, throw me up there, something. <laughs> All right, a few wild card topics now for B.J. Hill. What do you like to spend your money on? Food like fancy restaurant food or buying stuff that you, you know, prepare at home? During the season, fancy food, off season, I, li- I like the grill. I'm a, I like uh, to go on the grill a little bit. BJ Hill is a grill master. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a go-to? One of my favorite things to cook is that my, everybody loves my chicken wings I cook. A little secret sauce I can't mm. tell you about, but, yeah, it's pretty good. All right, I'm salivating just at the thought of it. <laughs> You host a football camp for kids, a free football camp back home in North Carolina. What's your message to those kids? Um, just a dream big um, and, and that you can do anything you put your mind to. You don't have to be football. You don't have to be any sports. It can be um, a teacher. It can be a fighter. Fight, it can be a police. Whatever it is, like just whatever, like whatever you pick, just be great at it. Uh, be successful at it. You don't have to make a lot of money to be successful. Uh, I think being successful is up to you. It's, it's, it's what you think successful, being successful is. And um, that's what I tell them all the time. Um, even when I do other little events back at home, I work with another, another nonprofit that back at home I do a lot of work with. Um, tell them the same thing. Um, just, just dream big and you can do anything you want. It's a great message. Final fun fact for B.J. Hill, and this one's kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, an athlete, an entertainer, a statesman, who would that person be? Mm, that's a great question. I'm going to say my grandparents. I never met my grandparents. They're all um, past, and I heard, I heard <clears throat> a lot of great stories of how hard they worked, um, what they did to provide for our family, just, just to talk to them and just see how life was and like what they did to you know, provide, uh, provide for my family. I'm sure they would be very proud of their grandson mm-hmm. and the success he's had in the NFL. I appreciate your time. Best of luck the rest of the year. Well, thank you, sir. That is Bobby Gene Hill, Jr. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs by Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals, and by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde. Thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.